You know, we're going to look at a different passage today. 1 Samuel 28. I'll give you a jump start in your copy of the scriptures today. 1 Samuel 28. This is a different passage because it talks about something uniquely and we've always wondered, is this reality? Does this really happen? And here in 1 Samuel 28, Saul, the current king of Israel at this point in time, consults with a, a witch, consults with a medium to bring up a spirit, the spirit of Samuel, the prophet who had died, and for that prophet to express the word of the Lord to him. So this is something really that we often in our day that has searched out spiritism, that wonders about spiritism, that there's so much you know, curiosity about this topic. What is going on in 1 Samuel 28? So I want to be able to work through this, and the reality is I have too much content here. I could give you another 30% of message that I have prepared. It is way too much, and I'm going to have to figure out a way that we're going to get through this and be done by dinner today. This is a biggie. There's just so much here. I'll preach it. Okay, there you go. Um. I want to give you the problem. This is what was going on in 1 Samuel 28. And, and if I may, I'm just going to start in verse 3, and I'm going to read down through verse 10. This is the problem. So Samuel was dead. Now, we read this a few chapters back when we discussed it in, in um, chapter 25. Samuel was dead, and all Israel mourned for him and buried in, in his own town of Ramah. So Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. So this was done in accordance with the commands of God. All the mediums, all the spiritists, all of the people that were really worshiping false gods, they were expelled and they were not allowed to practice their demonic practices at all in the land of Israel. But the Philistines, verse 4, assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. Here was the problem, verse 6. So he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Yoram or prophets. And Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There's one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? And Saul swore to her by the Lord. 
As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Here's what was going on. A little play on words, but this is the reality. The problem was God was ghosting Saul. You familiar with the term ghosting? You know, someone texts you and you don't answer back. Ghosting. God was not replying to Saul at all. Saul was trying to get answers. Essentially, the reality was Saul was terrified because the Philistines were now, in, they were coming down on Israel. And Saul knew this could be a very difficult situation for Israel to come out of. And so Saul, in his time of crisis, after, after Saul's disobedience, after Saul denying the, the commands of God and going his own way, after Saul denying the next one who was to be the anointed king of Israel... Saul ended up going back to God and saying, God, I need some help. I need some answers. And, and God's like, no, I, I'm not answering you. God was ghosting Saul. He was not answering Saul at all. Well, I, I want to talk just for a moment. You notice um, there were some ways that God communicated in the Old Testament, and it mentioned, verse 6, he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by, there, there's, Three ways mentioned that God talked in the Old Testament. So it mentioned number one, by dreams. By dreams. God often talked to individuals in the Old Testament by dreams. God would reveal his decision or will through a divine dream. Now, do not look, people, do not look to your dreams today, okay, as from the Lord. I can tell you, as I've thought through my dreams from this week, they are not from the Lord, folks. Do not look to your dreams as from the Lord. Do not follow them as though that is what you must do. But in the Old Testament, and there were times, it was evident these were from God. There's another way. Did, were you familiar with that word when I read it? The, the Urim? Did that, did that ring a bell to you? Like, what in the world is the Urim? Well, there were two things. I want to I put up on the screen a, a picture of the, um, of the priestly garments of the high priest back in Bible days. So as you look at this, there was a plate on the, on the chest of the high priest. There were 12 stones can, can you see those right on there? The 12 stones. And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's some discussion whether it was behind that breastplate or whether it was directly underneath that breastplate was a pouch. And in that pouch called the ephod, were three stones. The Urim was one stone, and the Thummim were two stones. 
Now, to the best of our understanding, because the Bible doesn't say exactly how they were distinguished, but from Jewish tradition, to the best of our understanding, these three stones, one, the one stone was the Urim, and it was a distinct feel to it. So when the high priest would reach into the ephod and feel it, you could feel that one was distinct. The thummim were two stones, and they were identical. Imagine feeling into a pouch and feeling two identical marbles. You could not distinguish between them which one was which. It was believed that the thummim, one was white and one was black. These were stones of decision-making in, in Bible times, in tabernacle and temple times. And so you can now see why Saul not only was wondering, God, will you give me an answer through a dream, or through what mentioned was the Urim. And so they would reach into that pouch. They would feel for one of the thummim. Was it white or black? They would not know. They would grab one of the thummim, and then they would grab the Urim, and then they would pull them out and then they would look at the two stones. And if it was the white stone of a thummim, and then if the urim, it was believed if it would glow or identify with the white stone, then that would be an approval. God approves of the answer. God is accepting of this. Then they would say, okay, that is in the positive. If it was a black stone, then it would be no. God does not approve. But they were not getting an affirmative through this. Now, interestingly enough, I found a verse in Revelation chapter 2. And it would make no sense if you didn't know about the Thummim. Check this out. Romans, or Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. It says, to the one who is victorious, this is speaking of one of the churches of the end times, to the, to the one who is victorious, I will also give some of the hidden manna, check this out, I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Interesting, isn't it? To that person, I give my approval, God's approval, God's acceptance. God says yes to them. And if you didn't know that in light of the thummim, that, that white stone would make no sense in that passage. Here's the third one. So the dreams, the Urim and thummim, and then there was the prophets. God would speak through the prophets. And so the problem was the prophet, Samuel, you know what happened to Samuel? He's dead. You're not going to hear from him. So Saul's in a predicament. Here comes the Philistines. And Saul's saying, I need some help here. I've been away from God. And I'm getting nothing by way of dreams. I'm getting nothing by way of the Urim. And my prophet is dead. I need some serious help. And so Saul does something 
that we all need to really pay attention to from this passage in 1 Samuel 28. And here's the primary theme of all of this, and I'm just going to give it to you up front. Sound and sage advice. This was the time for Saul to say, I repent. God, uncle, I've gone my own way this whole time. I've gone my own route. I've done my own thing. I've rejected your anointed. I've disobeyed you when you've told me to do things. I've rejected you. I haven't listened to you. And now I'm at the end of my rope. And God, I absolutely repent. I'm wrong. I give my life to you. I turn this whole thing around. And instead of doing all of that, he continues down his road. I'm going to try to figure my own way out and do my own thing. And I'm going to go ahead and do one more act of disobedience to try to do all of this my own way. And so here's the big phrase to, to, to understand Saul's act. And it's this. When you find yourself in a hole, you know how this phrase ends? When you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And that was Saul. He was in a hole, thinking I can still dig myself out. I can still find my own way. I can still do my own thing. And here's where he came up to this idea. You know what? I, 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 I need to figure, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summon up Samuel. I'm going to go against God one more time. I'm going to go against the law that he had me do, and I'm going to summon up Samuel. And so that's what he did. Now, is spiritism an issue today? So sound booth, get ready. This is where I'm just going to kind of move through this here a little bit quicker. Um, it is. I don't know how engaged you are in understanding. You realize our region is in the 45th parallel? And that um, is a significant attractant for spiritism. I, I really don't want to walk down this road a whole lot. Um, A lot of it's phony baloney. You know, a lot of it they do have on the bottom for entertainment purposes only, and it is that. But it's not all Casper the Friendly Ghost also. You know, um, there is a level of this growing in our culture and the, the tarot card readers and the palm readers and the fortune tellers and even the higher self bookstore and even um, north of Elk Rapids is the stone circle and it's even a, a place where witches come together and do incantations and there's a growing fascination with the paranormal um, with mediums with crossing over with you know ghost hunters and and, and, you know, since churches don't cover this much, I just, I just want to go out there and say there is a level of reality to some of this. 
And nowhere in Scripture does it ever say to pursue it, to be intrigued by it. And in fact, everywhere I see in Scripture, it says beware. So I just want to give you three quick truths about this. Um, because we seldom cover this ever. Um, spiritism isn't all fake. Okay? It's not all fake. The Bible speaks of it from the second book of the Bible in Exodus. Moses and Aaron went up against this in the plagues. And, and if you ever read about the plagues of Egypt, when Pharaoh brought out his magicians, okay, this was not pick a card, any card, okay? They were doing some of the very same things that God did. They made water turn to blood. They made frogs appear. They did some of the very same things, and it wasn't by illusion. And, and God wasn't joking in Ephesians 6.12 when he said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so I just want to be plain with you. I'm not here to freak people out, but I don't want us to walk around in ignorance either. It's not all fake. Here's number two, it's the oldest error. It's the oldest error. Even not only in Exodus, um, Daniel was up against magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. Second uh, Kings 21 records the account of the young king of Judah, Manasseh, who slipped into worship of the other side and it mentions he sacrificed his own son in the fire he practiced sorcery and divination and consulted mediums and spiritists this was king of judah this is all the way back in second Kings. so the reality this is one of the oldest errors out there and in every way, number three, it is opposed to the true God. I'm just going to give you quotes from Spiritus, from the Spiritus Manual, and from Spiritus leaders. And, and you're going to realize these people are not friends to God and the Jesus that we worship. Here's some quotes from them, just to put it up there. They say, we do not believe in such places as heaven or hell. Communicating spirits have merely graduated from this form of life into another. That life can be heaven or hell-like, just as each spirit chooses to make it. This is, this is from Spirit Manual. It is an absurd idea that Jesus was any more divine than any other man. Friends, what they are saying here cuts against everything the scriptures say about Jesus and everything we just did in our service. Here's another one. The miraculous conception of Christ is merely a fabulous tale. 
Uh, the last quote I'm going to give you, your doctrine of the atonement is the very climax of a deranged imagination and one that is of the unrighteous and immoral tendency. They are not a friend of grace. They're not a friend of Christ. I realize many of the encounters with spirits that people tell us about are comforting, informative, soothing, just as the deceiver would have it, yet make no mistake, the aim of spiritism is to hit the heart of Christianity, which is Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross for us. And it's no wonder why God commands against it, and it's no wonder why Saul decreed against it, and then he went out and disguised himself and went to a medium in the city of Endor. So here's what happened. Look down at verse 11. I'm going to move this thing along. Here we go. So the woman asked him, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. Now check this out. She's a medium. She's done this before. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. Okay, time out. This woman is a spiritist medium. She calls up spirits. He says, call up Samuel, and here comes Samuel, and then she screams after seeing Samuel and says, what have you done to me? So what's going on here? And I'm going to tell you, here's, here's two explanations. Number one, either she was a phony baloney, and this had never, ever, ever happened to her. Either she was a complete fraud and was for entertainment purposes only. It's a possibility. Or, as Beth Moore uh, explains, author and speaker Beth Moore, she explains it this way. Either she's a total imposter and she was shocked because she actually saw a spirit or she always practiced this by demonic imitation she was waiting for her demon to come up and to give an explanation. And that was the way she had always practiced it before. And lo and behold, when she was either waiting for her phony baloney and say, oh, I see a Jewish man with dark hair and a beard. Like, oh, that sounds realistic. Or else she was waiting for her demon to come up and explain things. And here came the real deal, Samuel. And she knew she was no longer in control. She was seeing something only explainable by Yahweh, by the real God of the universe. God had a point to make and he made it. And that's when this woman absolutely lost it and screamed. And God certainly made his point of all the imitations 
Of all the demonic interchange in spiritism, only God can actually bring one back from the dead. Because he is God. He's God of the living and the dead. And this woman got a big taste of her own medicine. And so here's how this exchange worked. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And Then it was Samuel's turn to take over by the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or dreams, so I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to the one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today the lord will deliver you both israel and you into the hands of the philistines tomorrow you and your sons will be with me the lord will give you the army of israel into the hands of the philistines boom quite a message isn't it well here's how i want to finish our time together what brought saul to this point. What brought Saul to this point? He came to this desperation. He was in the biggest jam of his life. The Philistines were breathing down his neck and he was at this point of despair. And he was no longer, because of his own fault, hearing from God. And I believe if Saul were standing right here, right now, and he were talking to you, here's what he'd say. I believe this. He wouldn't merely say, don't get involved in spiritism. That wasn't the root of his problem. Certainly don't get involved in spiritism. But you know where it all began? When he was distanced and disobedient from God. When one gets far from God, then they are in close proximity with everything else that they should be avoiding. Did that connect? When we are far from God, then we are in close proximity 
with what we should be avoiding. And I know if Saul were here, he would say, stay close to God. Stay close. That's where this thing got off the rails. And oftentimes when we get away from God, when we drift, when we disobey, we end up finding our own way to figure out our problems. When really the best way out of our problems is a U-turn of repentance. I want to give you two things, and with this we're going to finish. Number one, the way through this, the way out of it, is number one, to open up with God. To open up with God. And I just want to ask, where, where are you at right now? Are you close with God? Are you fascinated with God? Are you amazed with God? Or would you say, I'm drifting with God? I'm dull with God? I'm disinterested with God? Are you at a standstill? Have you lost momentum? There are dangerous points that we can be in our life, destructive points, even damning points in our lives. To open up with God would mean this. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. To deal with our sin quickly. To know when we have, as Saul did, not followed through with God's designs and desires and, and to work through those immediately, not to let those pass but to keep short accounts, to follow up in confession and repentance and to own up. To open up with God would be to have some time to talk to him. Now, I don't want to, like, freak you out or anything. I kind of got a kick out of it this week as I was studying for this. And I was thinking about people talking to a spirit and I'm thinking, I talk to a spirit every day. You ever think about that? We talk to a spirit every day. God. Like, we talk to the spirit every day. That's the most fascinating, amazing thing in the world. And for us to open up with him and be vulnerable with him in prayer. And to keep these short accounts. And then to take some time in his word. And I'm going to tell you one other way to open up with him and to stay on track with him is to team up with another person. Christianity was not made to be a solo sport for us to be the Lone Rangers. 
but rather to team up with someone else because your opportunities increase if we link up with someone else. To have a friend who we walk through our lives with God with. And so to get into a group, to have someone that you connect with by text or with coffee or whatever may be the case. But open up with God is number one. Here's number two. Obey God. Obey. To get serious, even in the little things. Even in the little things. And this is where, this is where Saul went off the rails. Here's, here's what Samuel talked to him about a number of chapters before. Look at, I'll put the passage up for you, 1 Samuel 15. So what Samuel told him, he says, Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Look at how iconic and prophetic this is. It says, for rebellion is as the sin of, what does it say there? The sin of what? Divination. And arrogance, like the evil of idolatry. How iconic. How prophetic. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. Obey, even in the little things. Don't let anything slip by. Open up. Follow even the little things. Stay close. And when we stay close, we're far away from the things we should avoid. Would you stand with me How's God touching your heart today? Where are you at with him? What steps do you need to take? To grow? To walk closely? you think about those? Would you embrace those? Would you talk to God about them? Would you take a step this week? One step. And Father, by your grace, by your goodness, nudge us. Nudge us even closer. Closer to the one whose grace who's love, who's pure, who's righteous, who's everything we need, who's comfort, who's the answers. When we search for the answers everywhere else, and you are them. Thank you for being our righteousness once for all, for all time. We're made perfect. God, help us to stay close. Thank you for the reminder. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.